0: You can have a seat. Uh, we have a, a guest uh, preacher, speaker, teacher today. I'm really excited about it. And so we're gonna have uh, two gentlemen come here in a minute. Uh, so Josh Dozer and his family and his team hail from Omaha and uh, we are beginning to be in relationship with them. So we had a, I think about 100 young people went this last summer to spend some time in Omaha. You know when you're in relationship with someone, you learn from them, right? So we've been learning a lot of things from all of Abide. And so we're excited to learn again today, but we thought it'd be fun if some young guys here who went on the trip might share what they learned this last summer with Abide in North Omaha.
1: So what I learned is, well, first of all, at Abide, they make lighthouses, which is, it's mainly just a house in a block. And then they have a family that goes lives there. And when they live there, they're supposed to shine the light of Jesus through the whole neighborhood. And so when we went there and we, we went to one of the lighthouses and we kind of fixed it up. So we mowed the grass. We moved the dirt. We picked up toys in the backyard. And then we pulled weeds out of the driveway. But when we did that, so it, yes, that's a picture of our house that we went to. Yeah, and then we also do stuff like, We clean up buildings, so this is one of the things that we did, we were moving dirt. But when we help fix lighthouses, the neighborhood, the crime rate in that neighborhood is supposed to go down by a lot. So it was really important to help clean these houses up. But what I experienced during this time is that when we did this work, little things like this can make a big difference. So like Zane said, I learned that being clean can just brighten your day and brighten the days of those around you and it can just help out a lot, like with the crime rates. And I also learned that seeing all the nice things we have in the town of Pella, the things that we don't necessarily need, we can be grateful for with God that he's given those things to us and then the final thing I learned is that like, um, just small things like kids can go out and make a big difference, like changing the crime rate in a community. So.
0: Yeah, you guys both said that you can be difference makers in what you do. So it's great. I right, go well, have a seat. Uh, so I'm going to introduce Josh quick. Oh, I'm so, you know when you have a good teacher, it's fun to learn, right? And so I love listening to Josh teach. So last year, he was here in October, not sure if you were here or not, but he said something right over here, and I've said it probably three or four times to you, and it just rings in my ears, it's changed how I live, and so I'm excited about today. And what he said was this, he said that our God, our King, creates common ground, and he calls us the higher ground. So I love, that's what your team does, they create common ground amongst people who are different, different ideas, different beliefs, but they create a place for them to come, where they can be seen and known, and then together they allow Jesus to call them to higher ground. That has changed the way I have just talked to people who are different than me. It's how do I meet them where they are, like my God does? And then together we go up. So Josh, excited to have you here and your whole team. And uh, why don't you come on and take us to church? Come on, come on. Thank you. Good to see you guys. You
2: guys doing all right this morning? I'll tell you what, did these guys do a great job. Powerful powerful leaders. And, and I'll tell you what, it's, it's so powerful. They said about 100 or so young people from your church have come down to Omaha over the course of last summer and hopefully we will continue to do that. And I love hearing the stories of how it's impacted their life and how it's not only they made a difference by coming down, but our hope and heart is that there would be a transformational experience. Something happens when we get in the game. And so they did such a great job of communicating to our heart and hope. The police say that a cleaner neighborhood is a safer neighborhood. When you go into a neighborhood and there's there's homes that are condemned and there's windows that are broken, I mean, those homes become the dark spot in that neighborhood. And our strategy over the course of years, and we've seen God move through it, is, is, is really practical. And it's fixing those homes up. And then it's putting a family in there that would be salt and light in that neighborhood and in that community. How many know that when the spiritual becomes practical, it's powerful? When the spiritual, what we know, what we believe becomes practical, it's powerful. The 8 a.m. service, they didn't get that nugget this morning. God is already on the move. I'm so excited to be here. I'm here uh, with my family, my wife, Jennifer, of 14 years. Come on. She deserves a round of applause for that. Uh, we have four children Joshua, who's 12, Joseph, who's 10, Juliana, who's 8, and Jada, who is 4. And uh, this is our second year or second time coming to Pella in the last about a year and a half. And we're going to make it an annual thing. We love coming here, and we love your pool at the Country Inn and Suites. <laughs> We rolled in. We were so excited to be. I mean, we brought everything. We rolled in on the cart and the lady said, are you guys going to be here for a week? (laughs) No, I think just one night, but we're going to have a good time. And so fun being here. We also have some of our team here. Alonzo, who's on our team, is here. Joey and his wife, Olivia, are here. They help us facilitate and lead some of these teams that come down. And so uh, not only, you know, do we hope that those that come and experience what God is doing get to learn something. But can I tell you, when you send 100 people from your church and you guys give generously and you, you serve with a posture of humility, people on our team are saying, what's going on in Pella, Iowa? We've got we've to come and check it out. We've got to see what God is doing. So some of our team wanted to come literally just to see. And experience the amazing things that God is doing right here in your community. Omaha, Nebraska is talking about what God is doing in Pella. And it's a picture of the kingdom. We get to learn from each other. Been grateful for the, the, the partnership and just knowing the Corver family uh, for, for years and meeting through basketball back in the day, playing against each other, playing with uh, Caleb and same school as Kyle. But even on the drive up here, I was thinking, you know, it's basketball that first got us connected. But it's the kingdom of God that's strengthened and built our relationship. And through the ups and downs of life and the, 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 the heart to see the kingdom of God expanded and built and grown. And so we, we love what God is doing here. It is an honor to be here and to be a part of this community that God is building and using to impact the world. I'm excited to, to, to share from the uh, story in Mark today. And you guys have been in a series and you've had this this theme of of Sabbath and and rest. How many know that we need some rest, even more than we need a nap? We need some rest. We we need to experience the rest of God. And I love even in some of the visuals today, there was the, the, the colors and this word joy kept popping out. Man, when we live from a place of rest. And when we experience the rest of Jesus, we live with joy. Just go ahead and turn to somebody and say, guess what, you can live with joy. Go ahead and turn to somebody and say, you can live with joy. Turn to the person who was your second option, who you didn't want to turn to (laughs) and say, you can have joy too. We can experience the joy of God when we live out of this place of rest. And so even today, we're talking about, Clay, you know, talked about rest last week. Today, we're talking about power. Somebody say power. Power. Oh, come on. You got to say it with power. Say power. Power. We're talking about this idea of of, of power. And to some degree, you know, rest and power can seem like very different things. Seem like they're on the opposite end of the spectrum. But the reality is when we operate out of God's power, the way... Uh, he intends us to to live and lead as followers of Jesus, that power leads to a level of rest. It leads to a level of peace. And so we're going to look at a story in the Bible in Mark chapter four. How, How many of you have been reading through? I know you guys are reading through Mark together. How many of you guys have been reading through Mark? If the person next to you didn't raise their hand, you can go ahead and elbow them. Say, what's wrong with you? I also know that you guys have groups And and as you're reading through Mark, you're texting each other, you're talking to each other, you're talking about what God is speaking to you and what you're learning. And I know this about God's word, it's alive, it's active. And so we could be reading the same scriptures, but hearing totally different things based on what God is speaking to us. That's the beauty of God's word. And so even today, as I share, I'm going to share what I feel like I see God saying and and number one, speaking to me and, and, and something that my prayer and hope is that will help all of us take a step in our faith. How many know we're all on a faith journey? We're all on a faith journey and until we're dead, God's not gonna be done changing us. We always got farther to go. How many are thankful you're not where you used to be? How many are thankful that the person sitting by you is not where they used to be? (laughs) But we're also not where we wanna be. And so we have to continue to grow and develop and we have to continue to say, Lord, today change me. Today, as we read your word, as we get into scripture, God, we want to be changed so that when we leave from here, you'll use us to change the world around us. And so Mark chapter, chapter four, starting in verse 35, it says, Jesus calms the storm. It says, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross on to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. (laughs) I think it's so interesting that Jesus wasn't just sleeping, but his head was on a cushion. Some commentators would say a a detail like that is a reflection that this story that we're reading was actually a reality. And, and, And that a detail like that was a result of an eyewitness who was writing down what he saw and experienced. Jesus was sleeping with his head on a cushion. It says, the disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care, we're going to drown. It says, when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the winds and said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? It says the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, I don't know about you, but. Sometimes when I'm reading through through scripture and I'm reading some of these stories, sometimes I have to stop myself. And I have to remind myself that what I'm reading isn't a story, but it's a reality. It was a reality. What What I'm reading, the story I'm reading where Jesus gets into a boat and he's going to the other side and a storm gets up and he stands up and he starts talking to the storm and the storm listens. Man, I wish when I talked, people would listen. The storm stops. I have to remind myself that these stories we read about in Scripture aren't just these, these made up stories, these are realities. And this story we see here in Scripture, we see the, the, the first thing that we see is, is Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. As I'm reading this, this story, And I recognize that we serve a God who's all-knowing, all-powerful. Before they got into the boat, Jesus knew that they were going to get caught in the middle of a storm. I mean, think about that. Before they got into the boat, Jesus knew they were going to get caught in the middle of a storm. Even though Jesus knew the storm was coming, he still invited his disciples into the boat as I think about power, and as I think about experiencing the power of God, one of the things that I see is, is Jesus does his greatest work in the middle of the storm. Jesus actually invited his disciples to enter into the storm, not alone, but with him. See the storm allows us to see and experience God's power in ways that just going through life, the mundane things of life otherwise doesn't. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm in the middle of the storm, it almost feels like God is absent. But in this story, we see the storm was was a picture of God's presence with him in the boat, not his absence. And sometimes God calls us to enter into the storm, and so the first step of faith I see when I read this scripture that I think God invites us into and Jesus shows us, is that Jesus chased the storm. Look at the person sitting next to you and say, "You're a storm chaser." Not a Star Wars storm chaser. A biblical storm chaser. God calls us to be. People who chase the storm because it's in the storm that we experience God's power. But the storm represents places of discomfort. Places uh, that many times we otherwise wouldn't go. I can tell you this, the disciples, if they knew the storm was coming, they weren't getting into that boat. They had been in storms before. They were fishermen. They understood what a storm could do to them. The disciples weren't getting into that boat if they knew a storm was coming, but Jesus intentionally said, let's get into the boat because he knew the power of what the storm could do and could show them. There's a a teacher, pastor, theologian, Dr. Sam Chan, He, he talks about this idea of pain. And he says, we can only grow to the threshold of our pain. In other words, what what he's saying is, is that if you want to grow, if you want to develop, if you want to expand, you've got to go through some hard things. You've got to experience some storms. You've got to experience some challenges. Sometimes in in sports, for me, this is so much easier to understand because we know that in sports, there's no pain, there's no gain. In sports, man, we'll put our bodies through intense pain because we know ultimately it's going to produce something in our lives. But when it comes to life and when it comes to faith, so much, so often we pray against the storms of life instead of inviting God to bring us into the storms of life because it's in the storms that we get to experience. God's power. A lot of times when we say yes to Jesus, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we think the storms of life will go away. John 16:33. Jesus says, "In this life you will have trouble." But he says, "Take heart. I've overcome the storms. I've overcome the challenges." He said, I'm, I, I, I want you as followers of Jesus. See, Jesus uh, not only uh, knew the storm was coming, Jesus was setting his disciples up so that they could be people who live by faith and, and who understood the power of the storms that they would eventually face in life. And so this inspired word of God that we, that we see and we read about, Jesus is saying, man, I want you to be people who chase after the storm. I want you to be followers who don't avoid challenging circumstances or situations, but I want you to take steps of faith into them. I love uh, the author Mark Batterson. He says, don't live as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. He says, chase the lion. Or as this story would say, chase the storm. If you're going after things in life that you can accomplish on your own, you don't need the power of God. If your dreams don't intimidate you, then they might be insulting to God. What are the God-sized dreams? What are the God-sized storms that you're going after so that you can experience the God-sized supernatural power in and through your life? Well, Josh, what does it look like to chase the storm in Pella, Iowa? I'm glad you asked. It looks like pursuing people who are different than you. It looks like finding out where the poor and those that are experiencing injustice are. It looks like going on trips to Omaha or to other cities or to other countries and getting uncomfortable out of our our normal uh, environment and context so that we can be a part of expressing the love of God to other people. It looks like sacrificially giving. It looks like getting uncomfortable to the point where the only thing we can do is rely on God. The disciples were out of options. Can I tell you, God wants to take all your options away. He's not Starbucks. He says, I want to be the only option. And so we see this this reality where in this story, they're caught in this storm and, and, and Jesus is saying, I want you guys to chase the storm. As the scripture goes on, As the storm comes, Jesus is sleeping, and I think one of the reasons that Jesus is sleeping is because Jesus was prepared for the storm. He was ready for it. Again, he knew it was coming, but I believe he's also saying that you can live in a posture where you're ready when the storms of life come, because sometimes you don't know when they're going to come. And the disciples here, they they start to panic and they go to Jesus and, 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 and I can only imagine they're probably shaking Jesus and they ask him this question. Jesus, don't you care? Have you ever felt or found yourself in a season of life, a storm of life? When you've asked that question, Jesus, don't you care? Man, Jesus, don't you care that I feel like I'm drowning right now. I'm going through the most challenging season of my life. Don't you care that my children aren't where I want them to be? Don't you care that a loved one is in the hospital? Don't you, Jesus, don't you, do you even see me? Why does it seem like Jesus is always sleeping when I'm in the middle of a storm? I love the song, even when I don't see it, he's working. See, the second thing that we get to do that we see in this story is, and the disciples get to do this is we get to trust the Savior. See, ultimately, if we serve a God who can calm the storm and we serve an all-powerful God who didn't just calm the storm, but he created the world, we get to trust him. But the questions we ask when we're in the middle of the storm Reveal the truth about what we believe. See, the truth is in storms, in crisis, when life is the hardest, we don't get the opportunity to process life in in a slower way. We don't get the opportunity to really think about how we should live, how we should act. We're in reaction mode. And when we react, we're reacting based on what's on the inside of us. And so the disciples' reaction when they're caught in the storm is shaking Jesus and saying, don't you care? Now I get it. I I, I get it for the disciples. They hadn't seen anybody talk to the storm before. That didn't fit within their strategic mind. I mean, they had done a lot of things probably out there being on the boat. I'm sure they caught themselves in a storm before and they figured out how to get out of it. But one thing that they didn't think about was that we're with Jesus, God in the flesh, who has the capacity to call the storm. Think about that. We're with Somebody who can talk to the wind and the waves. And, and, and back then, people believed that, that the ocean, that the water, that the waves represented this, this uncontrollable reality. Uncontrollable. Nobody had control over the wind and the waves. And so uh, uh, when, 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 when Jesus does this, he's not only performing uh, the most supernatural thing they'd ever seen, but he's making a statement. I'm bigger, I'm stronger, I'm more powerful than what you think is the most unstoppable force in our world. There's a story of a a king back in the 11th century and uh, people were kind of hyping him up, making him feel like he was a god. And, and, and he makes this kind of statement. He says, you know, if, if, am I a God? And, and, and he goes uh, just to show them. They, they were making him feel like he was divine. And so he goes in front of the, 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 the sea and he calls out and he tells the sea to stop. And the waves kept roaring in. They kept moving. And it was his way of, of showing the people Man, I'm not God. I'm in this position, but I don't have the power that God has. Tim Keller says this. He said, in those days, people believed the sea was the symbol of an unstoppable destruction only God could have power over. He says, if he's Lord of the storm, no matter what shape the world is in or your life is in, you will find Jesus provides all the healing, all the rest and all the power you could possibly want. Can I tell you, in the middle of the storm, we get an opportunity to trust a Savior, to trust a God who talks to the wind and the waves. After uh, the disciples ask the question, Jesus wakes up and he talks to it, says, silence, be still. And then Jesus says to his followers, why are you afraid? Do you still not understand? In other words, you've seen me do all these miraculous things time and time and time again. And they hadn't seen and didn't know that, you know, after he died three days later, he would rise from the grave. They hadn't seen that yet. And so they're in the middle of the story. And sometimes when we're in the middle of the story and we don't know the outcome. It's hard to really understand what God is doing. But Jesus was frustrated saying, guys, come on. I want you to see me for who I am. When I found myself in the hospital for 13 days, doctors couldn't figure out what it was. Lost 40 plus pounds. Was only way it was being fed was through a tube. Spent Thanksgiving of that year in the hospital room. I just remember crying out, asking questions. Man, God, do you care? Where are you? In seasons of ministry and feeling like, we're doing what God is calling us to do and feeling like we're called to help others, but not knowing how we're going to get paid and going some months without getting paid and, 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 and incurring some debt because we didn't have the resources to pay for some things. God, do you care? Where are you? I love something my dad says. He says, faith is nonsense. Somebody say, faith is Nonsense. Faith is nonsense because faith doesn't appeal to our five senses. What are our five senses? Touch, smell, sight, hearing. What's the fifth one? Taste. I just wanted to see if you guys are still with me. Faith doesn't appeal to those senses. Faith is nonsense. Faith doesn't make sense until we look back on the story God's telling. Faith doesn't make sense in the moment and that's what makes it faith. It's nonsense. We are believing and trusting in something we don't see. Hebrews 11 says, faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. Jesus is saying in the midst of the storm, you have an opportunity to trust the Savior. I know it doesn't make sense, but man, if you want to experience my power, you've got to trust the Savior. If you want to experience my power, you've got to trust a God who can calm the wind and the waves. You've got to, you've got to trust a God who's the creator of the universe. You can, you, you can trust a God who predicts his death and three days later rises from the grave. You can trust the Savior. And when you trust the Savior, you experience my power. This story, Jesus and his followers, his disciples, I believe was a setup. It was a setup for when Jesus would would leave and, and, and Jesus would empower them to take the message to the rest of the world. In this story, The disciples could have confidence because Jesus was in the boat with them. But then Jesus leaves and we can have confidence because Jesus is living inside of us. And everything Jesus did with his disciples was preparation for what he would call them to do ultimately. Uh, A few uh, chapters later in Mark chapter six, we see that Jesus sends out his 12 disciples. See, Jesus was building them up. He was empowering them for a purpose. Acts chapter one, verses eight. This is what it says. One of the last things Jesus says to his followers, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He says, I want to give you power. Power is the game changer. Power is the differentiator. Power is the separator between me and all those other gods. Power is the separator between me and those other prophets. Power is the game changer and you will be my witnesses. How are you going to be my witnesses? You better have some power here in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Can I tell you, power from God is what separates us from the world. Power from God allows allows us to rest even when the storms are raging, allows us to have peace even when the, the storms of life are raging. Power from God allows us to take the message of God to the world around us. See, the truth is, We don't need power to show up to church on Sundays. I mean, this is a pretty great environment, pretty safe environment, hopefully an environment where we feel encouraged and built up and empowered. We don't need power to show up to church on Sunday. But we don't need power, I would say, to be successful in life. How many people do you know that are successful, but they're not empowered by God's Spirit? We need power to be God's witnesses, to point people to to who he is. And so the third thing that, that, that we see in this passage is if we're gonna experience God's power, we gotta unleash God's spirit that's inside of us. We gotta be people where everywhere we go, people experience the little bit of God's power in simple practical ways. We need power to interact with people who are different than us and who believe something different than us. Man, it takes power to love them. It takes takes power to encourage somebody, to pray for somebody, to love on somebody that you know doesn't want to have anything to do with you. It takes power when you're at your third grade son's basketball game and parents are yelling and screaming And to go up to him and say, man, your son played great. He did a great job. I wish he didn't score on us like that, but he did a great job. It takes power to say, you know what? I'm going to go to a place in our community and love on people that are considered the unlovable. See, the truth is, it's the power of God that points people to Jesus. It's the power of God that allows us to to, to even abstain from things that keep us from experiencing all of God. We can't do this life on our own. We need the power of God to empower us to take his message to the world. I don't know what it's like in Pella, but in Omaha, we have people who are far from Jesus. You guys have any of those here? You don't want to raise your hand because you might be sitting by one of those. (laughs) Hey, we've all been far from God and we're all on a journey. And I love how God loves us right where we are. But he also loves us too much to let us stay that way. And so he wants to grow us. He wants to move us. He wants to shape us. But we've got people in Omaha that are far from God. And and I heard uh, recently there's a study that says 53% of people in our culture will never step foot in our church. 53% of people in our culture, of people in our community will never step foot in the walls of our church. So how do they experience the hope of God? How do they experience the power of God? How do they experience a God who calms the storms? Because God empowers us to go into all the world, to make disciples, to be his witnesses everywhere we are. And so I want to encourage us. We're going to get ready to sing a couple of songs. And I I want to encourage us, number one, to think about this God, this Jesus we're talking about. Think about the storms you've experienced in your life. How God has brought you through. I think one of the things that we miss so often is just recognizing, acknowledging, and worshiping A God who calms the storms. Worshiping a God who created the universe. When we recognize and when we worship that, man, our circumstances don't change, but our perspective does. When, 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 When our God, the God we serve is bigger than the circumstances we're in, the circumstances we're in doesn't have a hold of our lives. And so we're going to take some time. We're going to worship. We're going to remember the God we serve. But number two, I believe that God wants us all to take action. He wants to unleash his spirit through our lives. And so you, 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 there's some action cards here at the front. It says action creates traction. There's some pens up here. I'd love for you to come up as you're worshiping, as you're remembering. What's one practical step you can take this week? To chase the storm. What's one practical step you can take this week to unleash God's spirit in you to encourage somebody, to to, to lift somebody up, to pray for somebody? It takes power. If you're at the grocery store and you're having a conversation with somebody and right then and there you say, hey, can I pray for you? And you pray for them. You pray over them. God wants to move. But the way God moves is through his people. And so as we worship, let's let's remember, let's acknowledge, let's ask and invite God to fill us with his power. But then let's get practical. Let's write something down. And then this week, as we're going throughout our, our week, throughout our day, we can remember and take action. Let me pray for us and then we'll worship. Father, thank you so much. Thank you that this isn't just a story. Thank you that this is a picture of your heart for every single one of us. To be people who who go where others tell us not to go because you want to do something new in and through our lives. God, I pray that we would have the the, the boldness to take steps of faith, to to allow you to use us. God, so your power can work through us. We love you. We praise you. We acknowledge your power in Jesus' name. Amen.